Hey everybody, welcome to the Writer's Block Podcast, or better yet, welcome back to Writer's Block. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin, here to pick the brain of yet another hugely talented comedy writer so you don't have to. My guest tonight is a truly wonderful Miss Joe Miller, writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I know, I know, a lot of Daily Show people so far. I'm going to mix it up, I promise you, but I had to get my groove going, and I couldn't think of a better place to start than with some of the extraordinary people I work with. As a matter of fact, we've got a few more choice Daily Show folks coming soon to the podcast, including Wyatt Sanak, John Oliver, and one of my favorite TBS alums, the multi-talented Mr. Ed Helms. You heard me right, the Ed Helms from the movie Cedar Rapids. And it's my understanding he's done a few other notable projects as well. All of these amazing people coming soon to the Writer's Block podcast. It's going to be awesome. But don't let any of this distract you from a fantastic conversation I had with Joe, who is not only a brilliant person and hysterical human being, but she can also knit a mean sweater. By which I mean nice, like mean nice. The sleeves and everything, it's crazy. And she does it almost every day in our writers' meetings. And she uses it as a very clever cover to be able to tell some of the nastiest jokes ever to not make it on The Daily Show. She's got a lot to say and it's all worth listening to, so what are we waiting for? You're part of the writer's block now, let's do this. Like uh, um, that, that should be good, and I can just kind of move. I should, okay. I can move that your there way a little bit, and then right. it'll be a little more even-handed. Um, so we can make this happen. All right. Are we on? Yeah, we've been on for an hour already. Oh wow, it really has flown. Well, I hope people know a lot more about writing now and the creative process. Oh, uh, they yeah, it's they're about great. to. I'm here with Joe Miller, writer for the Daily Show with John Stewart, and uh, um, uh, very actual female. Actual female sort motorcycle of. riding. Knitter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, thirty to forty something writer, comedy writer. What's it like to uh, uh, be solely responsible for perpetuating a uh, stereotype like that? <laughs> I know it's. Uh, I perpetuate as many stereotypes around the office as I can. I mean, I think of of all of us, I'm the one who dresses the most like Judah Friedlander. <laughs> Is that with with hats that say world champion? Yeah, um, I may drink more than anyone else <laughs> during work. During work hours, what are we learning here? No, I hadn't thought of that. I, uh, it's not the uh, it's not the nineteen seventies anymore when everybody was messed up. Oh, the, are you thinking <laughs> like the Mad Men era? Like, I'm thinking more of the SNL era. Oh, do, oh, yeah, for yeah, for the, doing like, oh, right, Garrett yeah. Morris. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking about that earlier, and that's one of the things that um, uh, I definitely wanted to address. Will, um, uh, you know, we were talking about how different. Our show is from, certainly from that, but just from other shows that we know as far as the hours are concerned, because we work nine to five, essentially, nine to six. Yeah. I mean, and then taping and, you know, you can stay for taping or not, but yeah. Do Um, you usually stay for the taping? Um, yeah. And you watch upstairs on the monitor. Yeah, I watch upstairs unless I'm being a groupie fanboy. Whenever Bill Clinton comes, I go into the studio just to bask in the glow. So Um, that he compliments your belt buckle or whatever he does. You know, I have not had any personal interactions of that kind with him yet. Did you know that story? Um, Who was that? Lauren Brower. I don't know if you Oh, yeah, I had heard that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the story is that Bill Clinton was a guest and was, you know, was backstage and Lauren Brower was a... our, um, she was the, uh, I 
co- not costume. She was. She did clothes. Mm-hmm. So what do you call her? I don't know why it's. Uh, I guess it's escaping. Costumes. Yeah, but it's not really wardrobe. Costume. Wardrobe. That's in theater. It's Jesus wardrobe. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that didn't. That doesn't seem like something we should have had to stretch for. Uh, yeah. Um. So wardrobe. Television and she was, professionals. She was. There. A, she, she, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hey, we got this down. Yeah, I think I don't know. Uh, you know, shirt lady. Mm-hmm. Shirt person with the pants and the things. <laughs> Um, she was a she was a very attractive woman, and uh, um, and and Mr. Clinton, uh, ex President Clinton, seemed uh, uh, somewhat drawn to her potentially, <laughs> and uh, uh, seemed to focus very heavily on the, her uh, belt buckle, ah, <laughs> complimenting her belt buckle. To explain his eyeline. Yeah, yeah, yes. they, uh, yeah, yeah. The, it's the be- it's I'm the looking down here, and I'm just going to go a little further down and compliment your belt buckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and on uh, my way back. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, there's no guarantees at all. Um. So, uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a, but we were talking about uh, even current day. Um, oh, comedy shows. Yeah, I mean, and I, you don't. This is your first job, right? Yeah, essentially. It, yeah, ever. Ever in life. You never, uh, you just never worked. <laughs> just no, you, I'm a well, member you're like of the. An urchin? I'm you a member of the parasitic forty-seven percent. I think I'm entitled to food and handouts. Yeah, so. have you ever been on food stamps? I haven't, but just because I was too stupid to know how to apply for them. I remember when um, I was living in like a rooming house in Seattle and one of my friends who lived in the rooming house um, went to pick up her food stamps and I, I was interested to see they looked like fake money back then. They looked kind of like Monopoly money. And I guess now it's a card that you swipe. Yeah, right, right, right. Or, is- yeah, right, they, uh, so that they, they do that for kids to not embarrass them in schools too. To right. So you- or it's just a code even so that... You know, everybody has to put in their code, but you don't know if you're paying or not. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think some people would probably be upset about that and the loss of the shaming aspect of assistance. Well, so now you got, when did you get your job on The Daily on Show? On The Daily Show. It's been three years. I'm three pretty years. sure. Yeah. So, so three, year, three, three years, years ago you started. Before that, yeah. though, um, uh, and when, this one, when you, when you started, um, so that was basically your first I mean, you must have waited tables. Oh yeah, I've waited tables professionally. Oh, this was great. The um, one of the the places where I waited tables professionally was um, at the Occidental, which is in the Willard Hotel down in Washington D.C. That was my full time job, like two years out of college. And um, but you went to Yale. Yeah, that's what. Well, that's what one did with a Yale degree in the late eighties. Um, went to Washington, or is that where you grew up? <laughs> no, I I went down there um, to uh, live with my best friend, who was. Uh, going to law school down there, and it um, just seemed like a nice place to live. I'd been in New York City at the height of the crack and AIDS epidemic, and I just had to get out, and um, I wasn't going any farther south than D.C. because my parents were in Georgia, and that's about close enough. So Yeah, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So I was working at, at the office. <laughs> let's talk more about that. Yeah, no, let's not. <laughs> let's, I'd have to pay you no, $100 an hour. No, that's, that, you don't, you're not, that's, the, that's the best part about it. You, don't, it, you owe me nothing. I just, <laughs> We just get to get everything out. No, I'm telling you my Occidental story. No, right. I, I waitressed there, and I, I mean, I loved it. I worked with great people. and um, But when we went back to do the rally to restore sanity a couple of years ago, yeah. um, we all stayed in the Willard Hotel. Yeah. And oh, my window right? okay. looked down on my old entrance to my job at the restaurant. I don't remember <laughs> you mentioning that. Yeah, and it was... It was uh, Sort of a heavy-handed metaphor for how many floors I'd risen. Since yeah, then. yeah, right. Yeah, very. Yeah, um, two floors. 
<laughs> it was two. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was two floors. It was in two <laughs> floors, so it's going pretty well. Yeah, so, you know, who knows by the, you know, by the time of 60. Well, that must have been very exciting because the, the rally was, you, you came in right at the rally. I mean, I came in, no, I was. Well, I, for the, a year, a year a later. Year. Yeah. Uh, there was the book, and I guess we timer things, there was the book when I came in. Well, you, then, did you work on the book? Yeah, I came oh. in pretty much toward the beginning of the book. So oh, nice. my first year, I kind of thought that awesome. our job was nine to the next nine. Yeah, yeah, Because right, we, yeah. whenever we weren't here, we were working on the book. And for, during vacations, we all took home big book assignments. But. Since my background was in academia, I was I was loving that. I was like, really, more research, and um, I loved working on the book. And that really made work very, very different. Yeah, when but it we was were all working I on knew. The books. Like <laughs> this is this is the um, this is uh, Earth the book. Um, you weren't there for America the book, which was mm-hmm. you know a few years before that or a couple of years before that. Uh, but they were it was. It was similar in the way that we uh, in the way that we did it, in the in the in the fact that when we were working on it, uh, why don't you say a little bit of, like about your experience in writing the book? Well, um, we had uh, DJ Jabberbaum, who you know, formerly executive producer of the show, came back to sort of steer the book and and direct the writing of the book. Right, he wasn't actually on staff at that point. Right, we put him in the old Xerox room, <laughs> <laughs> and where he shepherded the book and met with the the head writer and the uh, two producers and John and decided on the chapters and um, did assignments. And a lot of it was sort of uh, whatever he needed at the moment and who was free. So a lot of times Sam and I, my office mate Sam, were next door to him. Sam Means, now over at 30 Rock. Now at 30 Rock, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, DJ would just come and collar both of us and drag us in when he needed something. So there was... Because um, you were kind of right next to him. We were right, right you, next you, to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or right across the hall. It, we were right next door. So he could even just bang on the wall. Oh, so was that before they even built an office for him? There no, wasn't he, even a wall there, right? There was a wall. But oh, there was, was a wall right away. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he would just pull us in when he needed us to read something or come up with a list or come up with an outline. Were or, we not all getting assignments just yet? Yeah, we were getting assignments too. We were already too. doing that too. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, we uh, it for me that was the normal job. So I guess it was like coming in and swinging with two bats. And then when the book was over, it was like, wow, vacation, and I don't have to do anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> vacation, night, weekend. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. With the 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 fact, you know, you brought up Sam Means when he first went over. Sam was a writer for the Daily Show for um, for a long time, and he. Um, Ended up uh, uh, going over to uh, uh, Thirty Rock, and when he went over there, like he was, he was there for uh, a couple of months, a few months, something like mm-hmm. that. And I wanted to um, have him over for dinner. He, he and Lauren, and and um, or just have them over to, to hang out. And we were trying to arrange that. And I said, "Well, what about this weekend?" And he said, "Well, you know, like or whatever, a couple of weeks from now." Because you can't... live literally a couple blocks away from each other. Uh, Sam, me yeah. and Sam. Yeah. Um, well, now I don't know. Yeah, he was already over there. He yeah, was he in moved Midtown. There, yeah. yeah, he had moved there. Right? Um, but he um, uh, he said uh, um, he said, "Well, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't know about Saturday yet. I I can I can I won't know until Friday, and I probably won't know until I don't even know when on Friday. Late like late Friday. So he was in a position where week after week after week, he didn't know. He came from a place like we did where you work. From you know, mm-hmm. essentially nine o'clock. Our first meetings at nine fifteen, and and you Taping's know, if you're not going to watch the yeah. taping, you you you're out of there at six. Yeah, you can decently leave. At yeah, six. Um, and uh, um, and that's very routine. And when you go home, aside from we'll talk about what kind of assignments and what sort of stuff we do outside of there, um, 
but it's not nothing that's really necessarily like a hard assignment. Um, so he came from that to go into a place where he couldn't tell me until late Friday night whether or not he was working on a Saturday. Yeah, which and strikes me as sort of like, I don't know, I wouldn't say masochistic because he doesn't want that, but poorly organized. Really. Well, he didn't <laughs> want that. I think, I think the, the story is that, uh, um, and I don't, I, I don't even, can't remember, recall where I heard this or what level of truth there is, but there might be some, is that, is that um, Tina Fey coming from Saturday Night Live ha- still has this sort of like a bit of a work around the clock um, mm-hmm. mentality kind of thing. You know what I mean? And uh, Well, um, I mean, SNL, they have to put on a show every week. Yeah, right, yeah, every week. You know, I don't and know what And they have to work like. all, all the... Uh, <laughs> I, well, you know, and that's what we were talking about in the first place, that it, 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 it was kind of notoriously coke-fueled, you know, craziness, um, which is, uh, you know, I think that was probably not just a matter of uh, a reflection of the show itself and the process with which they would write that kind of show. That was also a that reflection the of the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, um, I was doing stand-up back then, but that was in the late 80s. I wasn't, mm-hmm. so I wasn't really, like, doing shit like that. But Well, the late 80s, you were smoking crack. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Or just lighting crack pipes for my friends. You know, I was, <laughs> a, I, was the, I was the melter. I was the assigned melter. I was just, I would bring a spoon... And uh, um, that, that's a whole cast in India. Yeah, is that is that right? Yeah, you, are you allowed to touch them? Um, well, only only if it's your melter. Which you don't which, touch another man's melter. That's oh. considered the height of rudeness. Oh, is that right? Yes, that's amazing. Well, yeah. I can explain all this to you later. Yeah. Well, no, it's fascinating. <laughs> well, what, you, what side? Which, which side of the train do they have to cling to when they travel? <laughs> the underside. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um. Uh, so. Uh, so those hours, but the, uh-huh. but that got that got mixed up a little bit when we were working on the book. Where all of a sudden, yeah, now, um, uh, you know, as we had deadlines come up and stuff, it would get more intense. And towards the end of the book, it got more intense. Um, but yeah, you could kind of count on having extra assignments each week, assignments over the weekend, mm-hmm. and they were a lot of work. There mm-hmm. was there was like the thing about the assignments for the book was it was just a tremendous amount of research that you would have to do. Uh, most of the time, I yeah. would have to do. Maybe you, like we were talking about <laughs> earlier, you just had this stuff in your head. You have it in your head already. No, this is what I was telling Joe no. earlier, whether she likes it or not. That uh, um, I'm very impressed by her uh, um, by her intellect and uh, it's all bullshit. Yeah, it is it's, absolutely. She's 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 pulling the wool over all our eyes. She she literally knits the wool that she pulls over our eyes. <laughs> you you yeah. I can't fall asleep now because Jr. takes pictures of me like asleep with my knitwear over my face. <laughs> yeah, well, I did that once, but you fell asleep in the writers' lounge with your knit with, with your knitting. It was, Joe knits. It was blocking kind the of, sun. <laughs> kind of, that's that's a, a bit of a hobby of hers. I get. Did you knit this thing that you have here? What the yeah. sweater? Yeah. Look at that. Very nice. See, it's an actual sweater. It actually fits. I don't know how you do those things. I thought you. I just knit the sweater and then I eat enough to fit it. Oh, is that what you eat your way into it? Yeah. Nice. Um, and so yeah, there was a um, uh, and in the meetings and it's a. Um, I think it was the other day actually when you said something particularly crude in a meeting, which you it which you which you it was <laughs> which you are want to do every once in a while. It was, you know. It was it was a joke that was not in keeping with the sensibility of the show. Let's say right, it was the, right, It right. was after Romney's forty-seven percent comment that okay. imploded his campaign. Right, and I merely well, com- we don't know that yet. But well, it yeah. seemed in at our the time, minds, maybe, yeah. and I, I merely commented that that now Romney and Ryan 
would learn what it's like to be forced to carry a dead baby to term. Yeah, that's, yes, yes, you did say that. And then, Which apparently is not the kind of thing that we say on the show. Well, and yeah, apparently, yeah, who knew? Who apparently knew? I often say things of that sort that yeah. would never get on the show. But, why, but the, thing, <laughs> the thing is that when you said that, you were sitting very <laughs> casually on the couch knitting. And, so, you know, we sit on these couches and when it's in the writer's room and we're all just kind of sitting around cracking wise. And my big bifocals. Yeah, the big bifocals down by the end of the uh, end of the nose knitting, and she says that joke, and um, and there was some there there, there was some groaning, <laughs> some complaining, some eye rolling, and uh, and and my comment was that uh, I believe that the only reason you knit is so that you can get away with saying shit like that, <laughs> and nobody calls you out on it because yeah because I look grandmotherly. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, something you said by mistake in an Alzheimer's kind of like right. stupor. What? Yeah, that how, wasn't I me. Didn't, you no, know, talking to the horn. No, that the dog farted. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a possibility, distinct possibility. Um, what were we talking about? Research. We were talking. Yeah, yeah. We, were, uh, we were talking about. Yeah, I was saying how how the book um, was a lot of research, and when we were doing the books. You know the books are are incredible books. I mean they're fantastic books, but they're 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 um, uh, they're you know all of what we do as as we did with our show is based on factual things, mm-hmm. and then we make fun of them. It was a ton yeah. of research. Yeah, so so there was a there was but a lot I loved of just, that what aspect, is this thing? Because I learned so much about um, like certain topics, like uh, one that Ross and I was were doing um, like propaganda posters as a topic yeah, right, for the right, book. Right, and right. I don't even think it made it in, but I learned so much about propaganda posters under Mao and stuff. It was like a little um, holiday getting to read all that stuff and about things that I'm not really strong. I mean, I was a medievalist, so anything after, you know, the founding of America is sort of, I'm shaky on. So. You, said you're, 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 you said your background is in, in what, what did, what did you just say? I, I, I studied the Middle Ages and... Yeah, that was what you studied at, at Yale? Yeah, and in graduate school. So, um, and I, what is that? What is that called then, as a as a major? Unemployed is what it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it was history. I studied his, history, and but and, you choose a certain uh, a specific mm-hmm. thing within that. Yeah. So medieval was my period. I studied Jewish Christian relations. So medieval anti-Semitism, and it is amazing how often that comes in handy sure, at the, all the show. Time. And yeah. anytime. Lieb wanted something religion or Jew-based or anything for the book, he'd call me. And more often than not, I wouldn't know anything about it, so I'd have to do the research. And Talking about Josh Lieb, who was another yes. producer of the show and a very funny man. Very funny guy. Um, so I'd get to learn about all these topics, but it made it a really... That's why I love doing the book at the same time as the show, because it was this nice sort of mental gear shift. We'd be doing the show type stuff all day, the current events, the politics, the news, and then we'd switch into, you know, Greek coins. Right, And I found that really refreshing and invigorating so that, you know, I was not any more tired the first year while we were writing the book than I am now when we're not, because I think the book work was a refreshing sort of break in the day. That was an interesting part of the book that that we work on these things that we have to turn around very quickly on top mm-hmm. of that at work and it's all you know um, political and so the um, you know America was a little different in that we were th- there was still a lot of political stuff in there mm-hmm. Earth we really were getting into like you know yeah geology just kind of every single aspect of it yeah the, the formation of the continents yeah right right yeah. right right, right. <laughs> and uh, um, and so, Everyone yeah, you're dealing with these. Everyone should buy Earth yeah. the Book, of course. Yeah, sure, right. yeah, buy Earth the Book. It's available at bookstores. 
that uh, um, that don't exist anymore. And not Walmart. Not Walmart, no, because of a naked mock-up picture of... Uh, um, Larry King? No, it, uh, well, I... It was the Supreme well, was, Court last Scalia. time. It was Scalia. That was America, the book. Okay. Yeah, so this was, time it was Larry King's yeah. penis, I think. Yeah, so you couldn't buy it when you went in to get your guns and whatever else. Yeah. I hate, I hate making Liberal arguments against for Walmart. For guns and literature. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have to do that. Um, but yeah, then, then going and, and getting these assignments for these kind of completely unrelated things was um, in a way a relief, but then also you, you find yourself working all night. Working all weekend, and and it was also just interesting. And the process was different because you didn't have your your deadline was Monday. It wasn't like one thirty, mm-hmm. and so you found yourself, you know, using that time. Yeah, sometimes. and you and I have talked about this. Like when remember you and I were working on something together that was dragging on over days, and it kept getting postponed. And you said, you know, I like my deadlines because. You know, it's not until that de- we're up against that deadline that really things come together. And yeah, uh, when you're kind of forced to think and mm-hmm. put something together. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, when did, I think we, what what Joe's talking about is when um, uh, the difference between working on um, a headline, which is what John does at the desk, mm-hmm. uh, which always has like a very hard deadline early, and then you might go in and, and rewrite it mm-hmm. um, uh, after it's uh, looked at. Um, and then that'll get rewritten again during the day, and then that's on the show that night, mm-hmm. as opposed to doing something like a, a piece for Larry Wilmore or Back mm-hmm. in Black or a Hodgman or something like that, where um, it's assigned, uh, you know, the previous week, and you're working on it for a few days and doing a few drafts, and sometimes it even gets put off. Um, Although I think what we were working on was a we different kind a, of like second act. Piece, we were working we on a second them. act. It was like one of those that we got assigned on Friday, I think. Sometimes we get assigned things that require more research and assembling of um, you know news clips to make a case and to make a narrative. Right. And uh, sometimes those take longer, or they're not, you know, as time driven. So um, they can get bumped when something more time driven comes in. So sometimes you wind up working on them throughout the whole next week. Right, because, because it's more of a concept mm-hmm. rather than than, than right. something that we're working out out of, out of an actual event. News story. Yeah, we yeah. come, we we notice some sort of trend uh-huh. going on. Happens a couple of times, and then we start researching to look for the, the, the pattern. The, yeah, the, the the pattern, and then um, and then trying to figure out even how to present that pattern. And then right. and sometimes it just turns into a. A clusterfuck, and I, this one in particular did. I can't remember I can't exactly remember what, what the topic was, was but but yeah, it just turned into a thing where it's like, okay, the, this is for Tuesday, so you know we worked on it Friday, handed it in, maybe got some feedback then, went back to work on it Monday, then found out on Monday night that it wasn't going to be Tuesday, it was going to maybe be Wednesday, and we're going to add this to it. And then, I think it know, was one of those that became like a page one rewrite two times or something. Yeah, right, know. right. So. Um, so you know that, and and that can that can be a bitch, but that's uh, um, uh, that doesn't you know that doesn't really happen that much no. at all. And and the the process for writing, um, like go into like when's what's the last you know did you work on a Hodgman or a Lewis or anything recently? Oh, uh, I I worked on a Patrick Stewart. Oh, the Patrick Stewart <laughs> thing, yeah, which was on yesterday. Which was, this yeah. Is, well, we this with. <laughs> This, uh, um, by yesterday, I mean in late September, and this will not um, air until a little bit uh, uh, later, but, um, uh, yeah, Patrick Stewart was on the show, and tell us that experience. This yeah, was... that's one of the, the great things about The Daily Show is that, it, you know, at the morning meeting, someone can have an idea 
Like, uh, well, let's let's do a chat on the NFL strike, uh, referees strike, that uh, that our correspondents go on strike and that their replacements are shitty. And John will say, no, the replacement should be better than than the correspondents. And then we go out of the meeting and we're in the kitchen, like making bagels and. We decide, who should we get in? I don't know. Is Patrick Stewart in New York? Yeah, let's call him. And by three hours later, the the chat is written. Patrick Stewart has said yes and is in the studio yeah. reading it. And I didn't That's see amazing. that. I didn't see it last night. I watched it this afternoon, and I was just dying. It was so good. He was amazing. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> you can you can look that up on thedailyshow.com and, uh, um, and definitely check out that piece if you don't remember yeah. seeing it because it was just, uh, uh, just brilliant. And then... Jason Jones's piece in the second act was uh-huh. also really good. Yeah, and then the uh, interview with Olivia Wilde. She's lovely. She's she was actually yeah. yeah she's I, smart, I liked interesting. Her, yeah. That was uh, that that was, uh, you know, I'm never necessarily. I guess I was a little bit surprised. I, you know, I, 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 but for all the wrong reasons. Like you know, she's she's like the sexiest woman in the world or whatever, and mm-hmm. she does her FHM spreads just like everybody else seems to have to do so you know you kind of you put them in a bit of a category you know and then sure. then and sometimes they come out and they don't really have much to talk about but she was she was pretty fascinating yeah. it kind of blew you away yeah that's nice when that happens yeah it is definitely I mean, i'm sure it's nice for john too to not, oh. to not and and the movie she was <laughs> on for butter which actually looks pretty funny the trailer looks very funny yeah, I hadn't heard of it. Until uh, yeah, I'd heard of it because I knew that Kristen was... was uh, oh, right, of course, this is yeah. one Kristen's in. Yeah, I think they were I down in New name. Orleans when they were doing that one. Okay. And, so uh, and Rob Cordry seems to have a big role in it. He's got a huge role in the trailer. <laughs> I'll tell you that, he's in it a <laughs> the bunch. The Daily Show alumni. Yeah, yeah, yeah why not? Um, so, uh, so the process of writing for... Um, uh, well, we can talk so the about correspondence. The, yeah, yeah. The so this was a regular chat that was like with a correspondent. It happened to have a cameo, and sometimes, I mean, those chats you can turn around really, really quickly because it's just such a simple concept. Like we had that thing written by ten thirty, and it went through like one minor rewrite, and it was done. It was the easiest thing in the world, and it was an absolute joy. It was a yeah. I mean, sometimes the idea is far more clear mm-hmm. you know right out of the gate right. than 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 other times and other times yeah we grope our way through draft after draft towards an idea right um and those are tougher and the, and when you have the um guest commentators like uh lewis black or larry wilmore who come and do their set piece that's um at the desk uh those typically you know we like to start at least three days before the um the correspondent comes in so because um, they'll go through right. a few drafts early, and well, we try and decide what exactly the the point. Although of it with is. with um, uh, oftentimes Larry's there almost for the entire thing, mm-hmm. um, and 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 Lewis is starting to get involved more, mm-hmm. um, you know, beforehand as well. And like, we'll have yeah, him on the on the phone the whole yeah. time too. Right, right. But um, you know, we want to get them involved too, like days early rather than trying to do that the the day of. And the yeah, but before. they don't always. Um, necessarily generate their own idea. Lewis doesn't necessarily. Right. Uh, Larry will sometimes uh, say, like, you know, uh, will present ideas to him, but he might. Uh-huh. Larry's um, very involved yeah. in the writing. Then he gets very involved in the writing because he's a, he's a, definitely he's, a writer. And, yeah. and then um, he, uh, and Hodgman oftentimes seems to even very pitch involved. his own stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh-huh. uh, um, and then I think for, for Lewis, one of my favorite ones we ever did for him was originally a headline for John. And and it was written as a second act, and he's like, well, let's make this into a Lewis 
Um, and it worked out great. Which was what? That was the, um, I think it was the, that was the Nazi Tourette's about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was you and me again. Yeah, that was yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> because the last one we did was the, uh, was, was the artisan. Oh, yeah, the artisan. artisan. That was fun. Uh, yeah, I still have the, uh, uh, the little picture of, uh, it, w- it was, um, uh, the topic was that all kinds of sh- crappy businesses were calling their, like, restaurants, you know. Fast food, food joints, yeah, basically. Yeah, fast food joints calling their products artisanal. Artisanal, artisanal. Or saying made by local artisans or whatever they were saying. And, and showing and, Italian yeah. peasants yeah, 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 rustic yeah. huts beating yeah. the cheese and Making the dough. like goldfish. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and just like, wait a minute, that's just not even, that's not right. But Papa John's, yeah. yeah. yeah we, they, we, we, we called them out on it and it was uh, it was very fun and there was the nice mock-up of, uh, I can't remember the the the, the, um, the artisan, uh, um, the meth lab. The meth lab, yeah. yeah, we have that on our wall now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, the only product in America can, that can truly be called artisan. Artisan. Yeah. It's crafted in small batches yeah. by. And it was like Larry's Meth Lab or something. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy <laughs> in front of the trailer. Um, yeah, by hand in your in your in your bathtub. Um, so, so but that process then even for those, uh, um, uh, like you said, with the Patrick Stewart thing. Um, and that's what we would consider like a chat because mm-hmm. that's like between the correspondent and, yeah. and John. Sort of and, a small part of the first right, act. As opposed to the headline, which is always basically just John. A chat is a separate thing, which always has, a, you know, um, like a, a, normally has a, like a slightly higher concept and and uh, um, and there's a certain purpose to it. And that is uh, uh, that almost always goes through a couple of uh, a couple of rewrites. Mm-hmm. In this case, the the. Um, the purpose was just so clear mm-hmm. and it was you know if, if that was the first draft of it then it was just like you know sometimes john just says yeah this is great you know and yeah. and that's that's a good thing um uh but that process is different from the uh, um uh from the headlines although they've almost kind of gotten relatively similar because that's those are still pretty hard deadlines on those mm-hmm. um and it's for that day mm-hmm. um it just uh, you won't. The, the thing about those is that you usually work Together. with somebody else the entire time. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're working on headlines, there might be two of you doing the same thing, but you will hand in separate assignments, separate jobs, yeah. and then um, and then once uh, and then and then you'll get called in and get feedback, and then the two writers who were who handed in the separate ones take the notes on what they've handed in and what they what the feedback they get and mm-hmm. go work together to, to, yeah. to make something. John will pick it. like, you know, a few jokes from column A and a few jokes from column B right. and you put it together into a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, both of those are different than writing, say, for, for Lewis. When we did these Lewis things, um, the first thing is just coming up with what uh, um, what the topic is going to be and how we're going to... What's we're pissing him it. off. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, like... Figuring out what we're going to do for Lewis is different than figuring out what we're going to do for Hodgman. I mean, they, ha- you know, mm-hmm. and that's different than what we're going to do for, for, Larry. for Larry and and uh, um, and and Kristen. And, and Kristen. And so, you know, they have their kind of obvious roles. Um, Lewis is normally pissed off at something that uh, an average person wouldn't be so pissed off at. Uh, Larry is uh, um, is our senior black correspondent and often gets. Um, I, 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 I don't know the last Larry that didn't have something to, some kind of race yeah, issue in it. Yeah, it's always race. It's and always his, a race issue. His are, you get to be like fairly complex, you know, Right, right, pieces. right. Yeah. And, um, 
and then of course women's issues for uh-huh. uh, um, for Kristen, and it was and it would always be that. And we would just mm-hmm. figure out when those things would present themselves in as one big story or as a group mm-hmm. of stories. Then we would say, all right, let's let's do something with this now with with her, mm-hmm. um, and uh, um, and then for Hodgman, it is uh, uh, when. Now we want to explain a complicated concept or... Well, now it's rich guy. Yeah, now stuff. it's just pretty much rich guy. Let me explain to you how... Which works for Romney very nicely. Yeah, it's a good yeah. cycle to, yeah. you know, right. to be in. Um, and uh, uh, so those those processes are, uh, are different. Um, let's talk about... Let's talk about uh, um, Yale and, and how you got there. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Georgia, in Atlanta. Oh, you did grow up uh-huh. in, in Atlanta, Georgia. So, yeah. like, you can when you say Georgia, that's gets I grew a different up in vibe Soviet than Atlanta. Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> Soviet, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Well, or just like you know, Georgia. It's like you know, there are probably parts of Georgia that are not quite Atlanta. Yeah. It's, yeah. And your parents still live in Atlanta. They live in Lawrenceville, which is like an hour outside of Atlanta. Um. So you spent your whole childhood down there. Yeah. And then went to Yale from high school in Atlanta. As fast as I could. Yeah. Well, and um, and how did you manage to get into a school like Yale? I mean, were you in public school? I went to I went to private school, um, the same one that Kuttner and Ed Helms went to. Okay. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And, and what? And where was that in that lineup? Did you go to school with him? Uh, no, I'm older than both of them. Okay. Combined. Oh, oh, so yeah, right, right, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I knew Ed's sister. She was, but I think cut were Cutner and Ed right around the same. No, Cutner was younger. Cutner Cutner's was younger like, than Ed. Yeah. Huh. Um, he was. I don't close. know about that. Yeah, he was I close. Yeah, I wonder about that. So you knew Ed's. Oh, you knew um, Ed's older sister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Susan, so. yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. You actually knew her. Yeah. She. We weren't classmates, but I knew. Her. Oh. Well, so, okay. Yeah. I went. Um, so. Yeah, I was the the poor kid in the nice school. So right. I, I could have used that. But how that do you little, manage that? I mean, that it had to cause. You know, right. It had to cause. I mean, I've, I've got my kid in a. I've got my two year old in a private school that is nicer than my college. You know, it's just ridiculous. I, you know, I don't. Well, first of all, I don't think income disparity then was quite what it is now. I mean, I was in there with like the children of dentists more. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I wasn't. You know, the children of. Um, Arab princes. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> or just bankers, which is all we have here. We had you know? bankers, but it meant, you know, that they were the president of Bank South. And so was that, <laughs> was that kind of like literally, when did you start? Did was, you start private school as a kinder, in um, kindergarten? I, I went to kind of hippie private school um, in elementary school. Is and then my, the equivalent of Montessori? Did that exist? Not quite. That existed, but the, that it wasn't hippie, that big a thing. But um, it was an Episcopalian school, so it was a sort of... Um, bearded, uh, bluegrass playing priest school. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, the like, liberal church so from the 70s. So let the kids learn what they'll learn as they go along? Or it was, was pretty it, was, laid was back, yeah. but um, it was a great library. But that's like, grammar school and stuff. Yeah, and then and then I, um, most of my, it was, it only went up to middle school, and then most of my friends went to the public high school, and my mom yanked me out and sent me to the private school because I was falling in with, like, troublemakers oh so you did go to the public school for for no they, freshman no year. that was like where where the path diverged instead of going to the public school oh, i okay. got i got sent to the the born again christian um private school oh wow yeah it was yeah super christian the wow. the teachers had to take christian oaths um to be teachers there and, so and no no jewish teachers was there indoctrination like, yeah 
Huh. There was. And had you been exposed to that at all? Um, it was the South, so I you mean, were o- church going only from my parents. Yeah, my parents. Well, yeah, were sure. You followed your born parents again. to church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you get religious. Your parents tell you what you are. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, I mean, just you know, the whole South. It's a little Bible bangy. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never, it's not a place that I've been, you know, I mean, I'm literally like. Yeah. But it was private school, which meant it was 40% Jewish. So all my friends were Jewish. And so I was sort of raised half Jewish. And right, <laughs> right. Just by your friends. And that was through high school and you did well there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and were you involved in, um, did you do any writing in high school? Were you on the school paper or anything like that? Um, I can't remember. I, I think it was on the yearbook. I did, I did drama and, um, uh, you acted in drama and, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And it was, it was a very, um, it was a very righty school. It, it used to be a girls school and it became a girls and boys school at some time in the maybe sixties. So it still was very much, um, you know, drilling Faulkner and Southern literature and Shakespeare into you. The curriculum was mostly English. So there was a lot of writing, but not much comedy writing. And th- do you think that <laughs> set you up for the kind of ma- where you went to college and decided you were going to yeah, study maybe. something other than other than business or something? Which, <laughs> but, which I, you know, I was where you know I think I'm a little older than you, and but uh, um, but back then, remember, it was like you know. Uh, um, uh, what was it like, Michael Milken and all these yeah. like these, these Ivan Bosky, the, the original yeah, mm-hmm. Ivan Bosky and just the original thieves, you know, mm-hmm. greed is of good. Wall Street, right? It was totally like that. And and my my dad when I went to college it was basically like, you know, you need to study finance. And I was like, I'm, you know, why? I'm sure, why not? Mm-hmm. I think I think I had in the back of my head I wanted to study architecture, and that's you know in hindsight that's what I would have done anyway. But like, uh, um, what what did you study? Fine. I have a fi- did, I'm a finance major. Oh, wow. This sounds like a Dickens story. That, in like, what way? That that dad it, made you like discard yeah. your architect dreams. And did, when did you start doing comedy? Uh, right away. A friend of mine insisted I told him I was going to do it when I was coming out here, although I don't really remember that. Um, but I do remember when I first came out, this woman lived on 79th between 2nd and 3rd or 3rd and Lex. And she was. I remember roaming around one day and stumbling on uh, the old Catch a Rising Star. Which mm-hmm. was on, um, I think Second Avenue, from maybe First Avenue and uh, um, and like Seventy Seventh, and looking in the window and thinking, "Wow, that's well, this is one of those places where like, and that's that Robin Williams guy, the picture in the window," and and I remember being like, "That's pretty fascinating," and and um, so I started comedy later that year. A, a woman I worked with uh, named Jean Jeannie Arzenbacher, um, she was one of the waitresses at this place. Uh, this like three-star French restaurant that I talked my way into and had no idea what I was doing, and um, she she kept telling me, "Oh, you should do this comedy class." She was showing me the little comedy class in like the Discovery Center catalog or whatever the heck it was, you know, and uh, um, and I went uh, and but she she kept forcing it on me and I put her off at first and then I went ahead and did it and the class was terrible but it got me involved in it and then I kind of kept going and then. Uh, um, and I've kept in touch with Jeannie, and I took her out to uh, to a celebratory dinner after I won my first Emmy, oh, which was not, first yeah, of many. Yeah, yeah well, how yeah. many do you have now? I have as many as the writers, uh, the writing staff has one, what which is, is eight. It's eight now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you have two. I have two. Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two in a row. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's astonishing the whole Emmy thing. How, how was that? How was that experience for you going to the Emmys the first time? And going winning? to the Emmys the first time was amazing, like, yeah. and it was it, it was so much fun. And, and you know, also to have the you know like Larry and Kristen there and people you don't see every day and just be able to party with them. It was blast. all dressed up and ready yeah. to go. Yeah, it was like it, Daniel and I at the at the governor's ball. People were sort of going around and meeting like oh Peter Dinklage and all these stars and stuff. Yeah. And Daniel and I, being nerds, like went straight for Stephen Moffat, who's the showrunner. For Doctor Who and was there for oh, Sherlock. Yeah, I remember you telling me. And, that, yeah. yeah, I think he's the best writer in, in television right now. And, uh, you know, the, it, there was not a line to talk to him. It was very like we could just oh, talk, yeah, yeah, right. talk yeah. to him and his wife. And, and he Are was, you sure you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was lovely. So, yeah, the whole thing, that was very exciting for me to, yeah. to meet someone in the flesh. And then, you know, to walk around um, with the Emmy in your hand and have people pretend they know who you are yeah like, and just to be case. able to talk to whoever you want yeah. to talk to and they're really nice to you just in case you are someone they should know so then you go to uh um you you get yourself into yale yeah. safety school i'm assuming yeah yeah <laughs> did you have other choices no you, I just, that's where you wanted to go yeah okay so that's the only i applied in secret because my parents didn't want me to go and then i got in and i left and didn't go back so. Wow. Uh, so so you you come out of there and you were in an improv you yeah. the group so the, and yeah I didn't know that you acted in high school as well or you were in the drama class well see I never did any of that yeah. stuff I and am so bad at it is what well but you did it and that's that's interesting to me that like uh, um and and you have no interest at all in doing that no I have I have a, a a driving um desire to be as far behind the scenes as possible and as secret and unrecognizable as possible I don't want to be so you get people. off on just the fact that your words are making a difference words. within yeah, the thing. Yeah, I, I made Patrick Stewart say fuck last night. I'm a yeah, happy person. Right, right, right. You know? Right. Um, was that your joke in there, that the uh, to find out how much he was going to make? For fuck's sake. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. Oliver and I wrote that together. Yeah, so. right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, I... Um, and, and a lot of people at the show, you do stand-up, and um, some of the other writers do stand-up, and our, our executive producer, Everybody's, Rory. Everybody's, yeah, Rory, Rory does. I mean, everybody in the writing staff is pretty, it's, it's pretty limited on, on perform. Well, you know, like Elliot does his sketch stuff, but mm-hmm. you also did sketch stuff with that same, the same did, improv group? No, the improv group was strictly improv, and that was, um, uh, yeah, that started the second half of my sophomore year, it was a bunch of us who had tried out for the only improv group on campus and didn't get in. Um, and so the uh, one of the women in that group was a friend of mine said she thought there was enough talent to make a whole Go to the second, second improv group, yeah. be the second stringers. And she got us together. And me, second city and second stringers. Yeah, me and Steve Bodo and asked us, do you want to form a, a new improv group? Steve Bodo, writer for the show, then head writer for the show, now executive producer of the show. It's a coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> right. So we didn't know each other until then, and we we formed... Uh, and what, what, what year were you at that point? I was um, sophomore, I guess, or junior. And Steve the same year as you? I was a junior. I'm sorry, I was a junior. Uh, he's a year behind me. Okay. So... Um, so yeah, we were the, the first directors of a, of a very shaky improv group that hit its stride the following year. Um, <laughs> that Austin Goolsby was in also. Austin Goolsby was in. That's, <laughs> it's, just, it's the craziest thing in the world to me. Um, but the so then the, um, uh, and then I didn't do any more improv after college. Oh, you did some sketch stuff in college. Nope, just improv. Was, and then I thought when I came to New York, I, I thought you said you were in some kind of sketch group. I did sketch with 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 um, it more with uh, Liz. And the Wake Up World stuff, that was much later. Were you performing in the Wake Up World? Uh-huh. Oh, you were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
What did what, what so 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 this so is you worked with Liz Winstead, right? This is much much later. How did you meet her? Uh, through a mutual friend, Michael Azarad. I don't know. He's a rock journalist. He's written um, "Our Band Could Be Your Life," uh, his, his most recent book, and um, he knew that I was a fan of Liz from way back and from the beginning of the Daily Show, like in 1996 when when you were working at the Daily uh-huh. Show, and I was a fan, and I would I like. Um, I had written down that this fantasy of working at the Daily Show. Oh, is that right? Yes. That's great. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, when, was, when did you get that? I was in graduate school at Cornell. I was studying like, medieval. Times yeah, still? studying medieval history wow. and and teach and yeah, Judaism and Islam and teaching medieval times. I'm medieval like, times. Like, yeah, yeah I'm like, you're you're studying the restaurant medieval times. I got times. out and yeah, yeah how, became a wench. Model? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and teaching Cornell kids how to how to do freshman comp. Um, yeah, right, all right, all right. And and um, wasting a whole lot of my time on the the nascent internet, writing funny stuff on the internet for on Usenet. So, right. Um, but yeah, the only the only comedy writing was the time wasting I was doing when I was supposed to be writing a dissertation. Right, right, right. So it was just strictly a fantasy, and no, um, no. But you had attention. it in your head. Do you remember your? Um, uh, your your earliest like comedic um, influences like uh, when you yeah. were ki- when you were a kid. Uh, my first album ever was Best of Bill Cosby. Yeah, and then I had uh, George Carlin Class Clown and both the Steve Martin albums, and I had to hide them because they had bad words in them, and my born again mother <laughs> would destroy yeah. them. She yeah. did. She did destroy the Steve well, Martin album she found. Really, the Steve yeah, Martin. Yeah, because album? it I mean, had bowling for shit on it, and oh, okay. um, I got punished pretty bad for hearing the word shit. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> and and even to this day, I have a very pure mouth and never curse. No, no, of course not. No, it it, it certainly worked. All that soap, all that soap cleaned that mouth out for sure. No question about it. Um, the uh, uh, so. So you and stand up, so all stand up, yeah. right? Right. So you had stand up albums when you're like what? The, you're, I you're was 10, like 11, seven. Yeah, like, yeah, younger watched, than that. Yeah. I watched SNL religiously from the time it first started. I would sneak out of bed and go watch it. And at the, you know when when did it when did there come a time when you thought like that was something that you would even want to pursue or or, or felt like it was impossible to pursue professionally? I felt it when I was a little kid, and then. You know, by the time I became a teenager, I never thought that anything like that was possible. It was just other people. And, and that's I, and then you got into medieval history and, and yeah. I mean, I I I I was an idiot. I like I people ask. It's funny. Um, my colleagues will send young kids or recent graduates to me for career advice. I'm like the last person you should get career advice from. I I started my career at. 40. <laughs> yeah, right. I, well, I, I arrived well, no, at my you started your career at seven when you bought yeah. your first Bill Cosby album. But, like, That's I arrived here through, through persistent self-sabotage and abject failure and bankruptcy through my entire adult life with no direction and no ambition. That, and, sounds, yeah. that sounds like a great book pitch. <laughs> it's like, you know. you know, I randomly met Liz in a bar through my friend Michael, and he, she said she was doing this Wake Up World show, which was a live off-Broadway fake morning show a different one every week um so you guys were just palling around and then she somehow asked you to write for it well right no i that? asked her I, she said i said can i help and i went over to her apartment that weekend and we wrote up a little sketch for it and um and so i started working with her and and this group. was the first night that you met her yeah 
Wow, how about that? So I think actually, yeah, I went to one of the shows. But you were chatting and hit it off. And I went that. to one of the shows that okay. they had. It was in a basement of a bar in yeah. the Lower East Side. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, I worship Liz. I still do. Yeah, she's great. Um, and yeah, so I started writing for her for two years on this show. It was just a, a bunch of us who all had day jobs and couple nights couple three nights a week we'd go to liz's apartment after our jobs and someone would you know we take turns making dinner and we'd write this um weekly fake morning show um right and it would it would be um, what was her character's name is uh, uh hope 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 um jean paul jean paul yeah hope jean paul yeah, jean -Paul. yeah. <laughs> And uh, Davis Miles. You know what? You know what I but I, I can't even tell you. Like I, I knew it was Hope Jean Paul. I knew when I went to go see the show that it was Hope Jean Paul. Mm -hmm. I recently like looked it up and remembered that it was Hope Jean Paul. And I swear to God, not until right now did I put together Pope Jean Paul. Did you not get that joke until now? I did not get that joke until now, which is just completely terrible. <laughs> I just thought, like, how is that even possible that you let something like that slip by? But it happens, you know? It's subtle. Well, Davis Miles is a little more obvious, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, she was the, oh, she was the um, oh, you know, yeah. di ditzy, shallow, Botoxed <laughs> morning show host. I, yeah, it was, and, it's, um, it's great. I can't believe that I let that slip by, but uh, it's and very then, amusing. Yeah, in that show, they would be interrupted by news breaks, which were kind of like little mini headline things. Yeah, I thought uh, Darby did those. Darby does those. Yeah, she was yeah. the newscaster. And... Um, you know, the busty blonde. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. And um, so I wound up working on those a lot because I think the people who'd been working there longer were really sick of doing them. They were a little harder doing the churning out the topical news jokes mm -hmm. and putting in the graphics and all that. So it was sort of like put new girl on that. So that's how I learned to write sort of daily show style news jokes with the, you know, the OTSs and the clips and the, you know. And then, um, and then... Was it Steve that told you that there's an opening at the show? Yeah, I've been working with Liz for a couple of years, and uh. then fortunately he emailed me again, and then, then it was a much shorter deadline. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you had to crank it out. So I cranked it out, and then I didn't hear anything for like six months because I think that that was the year that you sort of invited everyone to submit, and then and then you guys had to read so many submissions do you remember that? No, because I'm not in on that process. Oh, I know? thought that the, even the writers had to read them that No, year. God, no. Oh, no. 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 Well, they had to read a bunch of them. So when I didn't hear anything, I thought, okay, well, that's that. Um, so, it yeah. It was six months after you submitted. Yeah, it was about, it God. was, because that was like the middle of summer, and it was, it was a long. So you had kind of written it off. I, it might have not been six, it was a long time. I had totally written it off. And, um, and then, like, out of the blue, got a, another call to submit a second packet yeah, right. um, and from then on it was it was pretty fast and then I don't think I actually believed that I had the job until I'd been there about a year and a half yeah right <laughs> yeah was it everything that you thought it was when you started up I mean was it uh, shocking to you was it uh, 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 did you feel I don't know what my expectations were I was just having such a good time and and expecting every single day to get fired so yeah I, is that still I, the case or are you finally comfortable with it well I did I did at least like um you know, my car died a few years ago, and as you know, I, I did finally buy a, a car. Like, but yeah, sure. in the, the, Tiny the car. first, it's adorable. Tiny car. <laughs> it's a well, it's perfect for a comedy writer because there's it's it's it's, it's a, funny it's a looking clown car. <laughs> I can fit a thousand yeah, clowns in there. Yeah, you can fit a there. lot of clowns in there. I know that. But yeah, sure. that that I I squirreled away every cent because I thought I'm going to have to live on this for years because I'll never have a job again after they realize they yeah, made a Jay mistake. Yeah, Jay Leno's the same way. <laughs> yeah, too, that's yeah. what he does. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> 
You, it's the same thing. You know, you got you to gotta just make sure you never know what's going to happen. You might hit a disaster. So you've got to hold on to... You better have a yeah, car. You need to separate the, the, the businesses that you make multiple millions of dollars <laughs> in, in order to, like, you know, just have that safety net. Yeah. You know. Um, but, yeah, the, the writing for the for Liz's show is very different and much more like, I think, what people think comedy writing is, the sort of hectic room with everybody shouting at once and sort of chaos down to the last right. minute and um yeah late nights and cigarettes and yeah exactly late nights and cigarettes and wine and um which can be fun but it's know, exhausting tears and things yeah. yeah emotional involvement um and uh and fun a lot of fun but the thing is that was also a very bonding experience and i'm still very close right. friends and right. with, with people. those people and, yeah. and we love each other very much and so yeah. Um, yeah, it's a different kind of thing. It's a more personal kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point at the show, we've got a factory going on, and, and yeah. it's a it's a relatively loose and fun factory, but it's still a factory because uh-huh. that's the only way that we can get it done. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, and as sort of predictable as each day, as your schedule for each day might be, it still is like I still always have fun going in there mm-hmm. and and starting the day and having those great conversations with all these people that are well-informed and level-headed and interesting and and um and figuring out what we're going to do and then and then uh, um you know and then getting your assignment and doing it and then watching the show and going wait what did what did i do <laughs> what did i do again i'm not sure i did any of that well i made patrick stewart say fuck so there's right. that yeah that's yeah good. i go i go through long stretches where i think like, i'm not contributing anything of value to the show oh good you know? see that's always <laughs> a, see that's my, that's the most comforting thing in talking to the other writers at the show is that we all feel the same way that we're the worst writer there and we don't get anything on the show how, so, can, that, how can that be possible i don't know because... I, but it, it, it is um all right so we're gonna go joe miller thank you so much for coming by well thank you Mike comedy dungeon my podcast dungeon as elliot has dubbed it i think quite correctly well i I think this i assume you normally use it for hiding jewish families i but yeah mostly is there except that there aren't the the floorboards with the slight creaks in them that that the that the nazis can see through and then shoot them all the the vaults yeah yeah. if only then i would hide more i think you should put a photo of this microphone on the website for the podcast because it i feel like i'm giving the king speech well this thing yeah with the size (laughs) and i don't think the size of it necessarily comes off it's a uh uh, but yeah it's a it's a it's a thing and that reminds me we got to get a picture so we can put it on the on the big thing um, uh, thank you very much for uh, being Thanks, here. Thanks, I, I just I just hit the so-called desk, um, and uh, that is it. Joe Miller, writer for the Daily Show. Jr. Havlin, writer for the Daily Show. Joe Miller, motorcycle rider. <laughs> Your turn. Jr. Havlin, Jewish family hider. I didn't. I have hidden not maybe three. I've hidden maybe three Jewish families. Well, you've done your part. I've done my part. This, this, this is part you, of the... You'll get a plaque. Of some, some kind or yeah. a bench somewhere or something yeah. or other. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. <laughs> thanks. Bye.